0: All right. Praise God. How awesome. Amen. Today I want to share with you uh, just a portion of Scripture that talks a little bit about, um, that talks about uh, just an example of someone dedicating their child. We'll go through that today, and I'll read from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it reads this way, and as I read that chapter, I'm going to be talking to you as I read that chapter. We're going to stop for a minute, talk to you for a little bit, and move forward, okay? So 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 28, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a scripture that really talks about a woman who dedicated her son to the Lord in, in honoring God in the midst of her troubled situation. So 1 Samuel 1-28 reads this way. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Sophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Soph, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. Everybody say, bad idea. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. So here is this man who gets his family together. They go out to worship God every year during the times of the sacrifices. They do this on a regular basis. Now, and whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. How many of y'all think that that would create conflict in the house? So here you have a situation of a woman who wants to have children, cannot have children. The other one does. One husband favors the one with the barren womb, and there's definitely uh, uh, some conflict there. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now I want you to pay attention. The Lord had closed her womb. You notice that. It is a description here of God's will. Right? Not just a a physical thing. Here's a description of God's will as we move forward. And her rival also provoked her severely. Her rival. So they were really good friends, right? Best of friends. Everybody say again. Bad idea. Bad idea. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Sometimes we men just miss it, don't we? So... So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. In other words, no, you're not better to me than ten sons. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on, uh, on my affliction, the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. This was part, part of the Nazarite vow, right? Uh, something that they did to dedicate someone completely to the Lord. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Eli now was the priest. He, she went to the house of the Lord to pray. And she was in deep anguish. And Eli was the priest. This guy's supposed to be the lead intercessor for, for all Israel, right? Now, Eli watched her mouth. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart only, uh, in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So it's very interesting what the man who's supposed to lead Israel in intercession is not able to recognize when somebody's interceding. That, that's, a, that's a really scary place to be at. Okay, let's just move forward. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Think about how deep her anguish was. Wow, that's serious, right? Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. In other words, Elkanah had intimate relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered Hannah. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man, another translation would say, because the Lord heard me on this matter. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. So here they are in the process of doing their yearly sacrifice. But Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. In other words, at the time, you know, the child was still dependent on on the mother's uh, breast milk. And she said not until the child was weaned or ready will she be able to take the child to the the temple. Because what she intended to do was offer the child unto God, to live there in the temple, to be given to God. It's incredible. They say that at that time it was actually between a young age of two to three years. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, that I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. In other words, let the Lord complete the word that he gave to you in that place where you interceded. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she was weaned, until she had weaned him. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one epa of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. They worship the Lord there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this incredible scripture. Would you at this point, Lord God, just communicate this scripture to all of us today. I thank you for the anointing to declare your word. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to receive your word. And really pay attention to the lessons that we learn here through Hannah's story. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here you have this incredible story of a woman who obviously because of God's will was barren for a due time. And we see uh, this incredible story of how God answered her prayer. And ultimately at the end of the story, the child that she has is the the man uh, that we know as, as Samuel. Who becomes one of the most important prophets during the time of Israel? So, matter of fact, Samuel is the one who anoints David. And that is significant because David is Jesus' great, 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 great grandpa, right? And so, Samuel, as a prophet, was blessed by God to be the one who anointed the line of the Messiah. And every prophet in the Old Testament lived to declare God's word and to see God's promise fulfilled. And it was Samuel who was used by God. It was Samuel who was used by God. To be the, the one to anoint David who, who ultimately became, becomes uh, the one who is of the line of Jesus. This is very incredible. This is something that all the prophets lived for. To see the day when the Messiah would come. And God gave this to Samuel. Almost like no other, Samuel is a man who fears the Lord. There are a few men who entered a caliber of who Samuel was. There are a few men who were obedient to God like Samuel was. And it all begun with a woman who interceded. It all begun with parents who wanted to honor God, both Elkanah and Hannah. So what are the lessons that we learn from Hannah's story? And I'd like to share with you these things today. Number one, I'd like to share with you that our suffering and our agony should lead us to the place of intercession. I'd like to share this with you again, our suffering and our agony, our desperation, should lead us to the place of prayer. I want to tell you some a reality about the Christian life. Being a believer and following Jesus, we know it's awesome. It's incredible. God gives us joy. pressed down, shaking together, running over. We have peace the world cannot take from us, right? We can give it up, but we don't have to. We are already overcomers through Christ Jesus. We're not survivors. We're not surviving. We are overcomers. We're more than conquerors. God has already said all these things about it. It is incredible to be a Christian. Nonetheless, being a Christian does not mean that we do not have trials and storms, that we don't go through desperate situations. Furthermore, being a Christian doesn't mean that God explains to us the reasons why we go through the trials and suffer the laws that we do and all the things... We don't have an answer to many of the things that we go through. Take, for example, the man of God who wrote, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Do you know that man wrote that song after he lost his family in a shipwreck? He wrote, it is well with my soul. I will trust the Lord. It is well with my soul. So he had the peace and the serenity, the, the comfort of god but yet he could not explain why god destined or determined things to happen the way that they work and i tell you this we as christians the christian the gospel is not a gospel that says that you will not suffer that we will not go through tough times it is a gospel that says this your suffering and your trial can have meaning it can have purpose so yes our suffering and agony should lead us to the place of intercession hannah was in agony Year after year, she was being persecuted, per se, or taunted by her rival, right? And over and over again, she had this deep anguish, and no one could comfort her, right? But she went to the Lord, and she had this, she had this intensity about her that she will not leave that place until God did something. And I, I wonder if that intensity still exists in the church, that we will say, I'm going to park in the place of prayer until God does something. I want to tell you today, the power of the church is still prayer. The lifeline of the church is still prayer. God moves through people who pray. There is no such thing as revival without prayer. There is no such thing as understanding and knowing God without prayer. And and we have to begin to redeem prayer and redeem our prayer life. We have to begin to stop saying things like, well, there's nothing left to do but just pray. To talk about prayer like a diminished humbled place of no answers and no power prayer is power prayer is life not because you say the right words but because he is the word of life not because you know the scriptures on healing but because he is jehovah Rapha who heals not because you have the words that will comfort you in prayer but because he is the comforter in the midst of every storm that you face. Our agony, our desperation, and our, all that stuff should lead us to this place of seeking God. You and I ultimately have a, a pitchfork, a, a, a fork in the road before us, right? Excuse me, a fork in the road before us. Either we will choose life and seeking heart after God, or we will choose to walk away from Him. And every crisis will present you that situation. Every storm will say to you, what will you do now? now that you've gone through this what will you decide will you choose to go after god or will you choose to run away from god and i'm going to tell you those are life changing destiny shaping decisions and i pray that in your mi- in the midst of your storms they will come in the midst of your trials they will come that you make a decision to run hard after god can i say this our suffering and agony should lead us to the place of intercession secondly There will be suffering in our lives that only God will be able to comfort us through. There will be uh, suffering in our lives that only God will be able to comfort us through. You know, I can identify with Elkanah because as a husband, I've said the most idiotic things. Hey, what's... Aren't I better than ten sons? Say, so if you don't walk away from me right now, I'm thinking murder. Right? I mean, here, here is a guy trying to fix it. Hey, I'm giving you more food. Really? How insulting is this? And grieving. But that's what we do, right? We men, we try to fix things. Word to the wise. Do not try to fix things when it's not the appropriate time. Your pastor does not have a couch for you at his house, right? All right, listen. Here is El. Here is Elkanah. He's trying to fix things, but the reality-, reality is there will be suffering in our lives that only God will be able to comfort us through. Can I, can I speak to you on this? There are a lot of us who get offended because we don't know what to do with our suffering. We're trying to call our friends. We're trying to go to the church. Oh, the pastor wasn't there for me. This and that or whatever. This person wasn't there for me. And there's all kinds of ways that you can be offended by your brothers and sisters in Christ and by your friends and families because you're expecting them to do for you what only God can do. Only God can do it. And I'm going to tell you the truth. God has no interest in sharing you in some places with others. His name is jealous. And that doesn't mean this vindictive jealousy that's wrathful and nasty and demonic that slashes tires. No, it's a, it's a jealousy that says, I belong to you and you belong to me. And I fight against the things that try to keep you from me. Just like if you try to hit on my wife, we're going to have words. Are you with me? And Tony's looking at me like you're trying to talk to my wife. Right? And every woman, every wife wants that fight in their husband, right? This is what God is saying. I have fight for you. I have fight for you. And I refuse to share you with someone else. This is the love of God for us. So when you find that nobody's understanding you, and in those small places, those very few times when even your husband doesn't understand you. I know that that doesn't happen often. But when those... Times come when your spouses and even those closest to you don't understand you. Whether you're single or, or married. When those times come, just recognize this is the time to let God comfort you and draw close to Him. Only He can be God. Are you with me? There's something else that we learn. Can I just encourage you with this reality? We learn through the story of Hannah this. Our spiritual devotion as parents will have a powerful effect on our children. Our spiritual devotion to the Lord as parents will have a powerful effect on our children. Hannah understood that Samuel was a gift from God, that she was to prepare as a gift for God. I'm going to say that again. Hannah understood that Samuel was a gift from God, that she was to prepare us a gift for God. And that's the way that we should view our children. Our children are a gift from God. Our children are a treasure from God. And there's nothing that convicts me more than this reality when, I, when I'm losing patience with my children. Because I think of how patient my God is. Okay? This is your pastor confessing again. There he goes. When I think about how patient and long-suffering my God is. And I think about his mercy and how he calls me and draws me close to him. I don't have room for impatience with my ch- children. It drives me to my knees. It makes me lose sleep at night because God has a lot of work to do with your pastor. Are you with me? Can I say that? So in the, in, the process, in the process of that, I realized that I have to keep in mind that my children are God's children. They've been loaned to me for a season To prepare them as a gift for God. And Hannah knew this. And she wasn't ready to go back to the temple and she was ready to dedicate him completely to the Lord. This is the perspective that we are taught to have by scripture about our children. God intends for us to be about raising our children to be a blessing to him. Are we raising our children in such a way that when they're older they will be a blessing to God? God wants us to grow in loving relationship with our children so that that loving relationship with our children will lead them to a loving relationship with Him. You see, the reality is is that you as parents, can I speak to parents, you will be the first representation of God to your children. Fathers, can I speak to you about this? It is inevitable for your son to relate to God as he relates to you. Because you are a representation, you are made to be an image, you are made to be an ambassador or representative of the Heavenly Father. And the way you walk, fa- the way we do fatherhood will reflect on him whether right or wrong. Take it from someone who had to deal with a lot of father issues. Are you with me? Can I say that today? We have this incredible responsibility. It's given from God. And don't worry, God's going to give us the strength. And even in our mistakes, we can fall forward and be godly examples. Can I say that? Amen? Amen. This is the perspective that we are taught by Scripture. So we are taught that in our loving relationship, as we walk in patience and love and mercy, and as we persevere in those things, and it is perseverance. It's long-suffering, right? Sometimes it's long-suffering. As we do that, we reflect of God's love, we reflect God's love, and we're representative of that to our children. Listen to this. Can I, can I say this? Oftentimes we see the struggle with parents and their children, parents serving the Lord and children not serving the Lord, or just a struggle about what, what is that all about? I, I don't know what that, all that's about. I know that I know that heaven was perfect, and a third of the angels still fell. I know that. And I know that God's given us a mandate to raise our children in the ways of the Lord and that they will not depart from it. But I still know that children have their own decision to make. So in, the, in, the, in, in that whole process, all I do is I have to learn to keep humble before the Lord. That When I make mistakes, learn to ask for forgiveness of my children, learn to depend on God in that area, and continue to keep that flow of humility and of love between me and my children so that I can raise my children to be a blessing to my God. I heard this statement about raising children that impacted me forever, and I want to share this with you. Christian parents, listen to this. Rules, rules without relationship brings rebellion. Rules without relationship brings rebellion. And how many times we say to our kids, oh, you're misbehaving? Well, you're going to church now. You know, or we say things or, 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 or you're, oh, you're about, rebe- well, you're not going to church. I've heard it all, you know, and to use God sometimes uh, as an escape goat for our lack of patience. This paints a bad picture of who he is. Remember, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. We have to learn to build a relationship with our children. I'm not throwing stones. I'm saying let's encourage each other in this area. Rules without relationship reach rebellion. We have this great responsibility. Do you know that throughout the Bible, over and over again, God tells parents, I want you to train your children to know and remember my ways. Psalm 145 says this, a song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another. And shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When I read this scripture, I felt the Lord tell me, this is what I want you to do. I want you To speak to the generation after you about who I am, that they would see that I am abound, I am graceful, that I am merciful, that I am slow to anger, and I'm abounding in steadfast love. And that's and they will know that as you walk in that way towards your generation. Praise God for that. Here's another scripture, Deuteronomy 6. Uh, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Here it is. God again saying, this is what I want you to do. I'm giving you my commandments. Fear me. It begins with us. We can't tell our children, do as I say and not what I do says i want you to fear me and as you walk in me obey me teach your children to obey and walk in me and let your children's children let continue that generationally so primarily this is something that hannah did hannah recognized that she was called by god to to treat samuel as a gift from god that she was supposed to prepare for god secondly hannah Hannah provided a sacrifice for atonement at the altar. Here's something that Hannah did. When she went to Samuel, she offered sacrifices. Okay? She offered sacrifices. And the sacrifices were to atone for the sins of this three-year-old. You know? Some of us are like, oh, my two- and three-year-old, they haven't done anything wrong. You know, they're just perfect and blameless. You haven't had a two-year-old in a while, Pastor. What's going on? (laughs) I know. But listen, here is what... She spiritually recognized that even Samuel at a young age needed prayer, needed uh, to, to someone to stand in the gap. And you and I, parents, we cannot forget to stand in the gap for our children in the area of prayer. We cannot forget to pray the old prayer of the saints that says, cover our children with the blood of the Lamb. Cover our children with the sacrifice of your son. We cannot forget to stand in the gap and pray and intercede. We cannot... Our children will ultimately make a decision for or against God. But I believe strongly that our prayer life sets a guardrail for our children. Are you with me? Our children have a decision to make, but I believe that our prayer life as parents, they begin to set a guardrail for our children and set up divine appointments for our children to walk in the will of the Lord. Your prayer life has power. You need to hear this. Hannah prayed in her anguish before God, and God gave her a son who became one of the most instrumental men of God in the entire history of humanity. Your prayer life as parents, you have power. Not only what you pray, but what you speak over your child. Yep, there's power. So Hannah provided a sacrifice for atonement. She prayed, pleaded, interceded for her children. And ultimately, at the end, Hannah devoted the child trusting God. I mean, think about it. As a mom, this is difficult. Here she is, three years, raising this child, nursing this child. She's going to give this child now and leave it at the temple and visit once a year to see him, right? The Bible doesn't give us any account of any other visitation throughout the year. This child grew now at the temple of the Lord. Hannah made a, a, Hannah devoted uh, Samuel completely to the things of God. And I want you to think about what that means, what that means for you and I. Because Hannah had three years to change her mind, didn't she? You know, have you ever said, God, I'm going to do this for you? And like a day later, you were like, well, that's not what I meant. What I meant was that I was going to convince DJ to do that for you. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? Father, I'm going I'm to start this 21-day fast. <laughs> Woo, We're going to do this. I was going to start the fast, Lord. I didn't know that I was I mean, I was planning on three days maybe, but you know right anybody ever been there ever heard the story of the guy who had two sheep he loved this sheep he was so glad he couldn't believe he had two sheep god gave him two sheep he was so happy he looked at his wife and said i'm going to give these sheep to the lord god has blessed me you know what i'm going to do i'm going to take this one i'm going to take this sheep one of these sheep i'm going to give to the lord because the lord has given me these two wonderful sheep over the course of time one sheep dies and he looks at his wife and says the lord's sheep has died We're quick, aren't we? We're quick to justify and to change our decision. And Hannah could have done that. She could have, in the course of three years, figured out a way to justify not giving her son to the Lord. But she didn't. She gave her son to the Lord. And look, it was a difficult place where they were in. Because Eli, number one, we don't even know if he interceded anymore. And his sons didn't have a heart after the things of God. And Hannah... And her husband knew about this because her sons were taking advantage of the people of God in the house of God. But still she had this conviction that this was what she was supposed to do. Wow. Isn't that incredible? How God still protected Samuel in the midst of all that? Let me ask you something. We're quick to ask for God's blessing and favor over our children. But are we devoting the time? to make sure that we're making the room and the place and certain the guardrails for our children to succeed. You know? I believe strongly in peer pressure. It exists. Chris, we don't say as believers, we don't say as believers, oh, we're so strong in Christ that we don't have peer pressure. (laughs) I have, I get peer pressured, right? So since I know that's a reality for my children, I'm going to try to do the best that I can to set up an environment where the peer pressure they have Pushes them towards excellence. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm going to make sure that I try to do the best that I can. That they would make friends with people. That's going to push them towards excellence. I may not make the decisions for them. But I'm going to try the best that I can. To devote myself to a lifestyle. That, uh, that leads them towards godliness. And I realize that that begins with me. That begins with my devotion unto the Lord. I want to encourage you here in this area. You want your children you want your generation and generation after generation after you, those who you disciple, whether you have children or not, you want them to follow hard after God? How devoted is your walk? How devo- devoted is your walk? And what are you doing to set the guardrails in the lives of those who follow after you and your children? At the end again, Hannah could have changed her mind after God had blessed her. How many people do after receiving God's blessing and leave a mediocre, live, uh, begin to live a mediocre life? I don't know how many times somebody comes to the altar and God just completely radically transforms their life. And then they get to the point where they're like completely sold out. They're on fire. They're just, and then all of a sudden they plateau. This is where I arrived. And, and, and I just want to encourage you. Don't do that with your walk. Don't do that with your walk. Christianity that will affect and set godly guardrails for our children. is a Christianity on fire. Amen. Would you stand with me today? She's like, finally. (laughs) Oh. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for all that you teach us in your word. Thank you today for your presence. Thank you for your peace in our lives. Thank you for doing a mighty work today in the lives of all of those who are here today. If you're here today and you're saying, well, can I invite the altar workers first? Altar workers, if you could come up to the altar, those who pray with me. You're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm going through a tough time. And I want to make a decision today, as I'm at the fork of the, on the road, I want to make a decision to run towards God instead of running away from Him. I realized that there were areas where I was just running away from him, becoming bitter and offended. But today I want to make a decision to run towards God. I make a decision from this day forward to allow my crisis, my struggle, and my sufferings to lead me closer to God. If that's you right now, would you come to the altar right now? We love to pray with you. We love to pray with you. We love to pray with you. You recognize that your life right now, you're at the fork, and you have to make a decision. I'm gonna, am I going to run after God or run away? You realize that's where you're at. You today, run towards God. I believe that God will meet you here and bless you and bless you for allowing Him to meet you right where you're at. Right where you're at. Amen. Maybe you're here and you're saying, uh, Pastor, I am, uh, I am right now having a, a very difficult time with, uh, with, as a parent. And I need prayer. I'm having a very difficult time. I need prayer. I need clarity. I need discernment. If that's you right now, would you come up to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. Right now, you're going through a very difficult time. You need God to give you wisdom, how to speak to your children, be a blessing to their children. Would you, would you come up to the altar right now? We'd love to pray with you. we love to pray with you. Maybe you're like me. And you're saying, Pastor... I want to live my life treating my, 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 my children and those that God's called me to lead as gifts from God. I need prayer and strength that I'll be the parent that God's called me to be. I, I, I want the fire of God in me to be multiplied and passed down to the generation after me. Would you pray for me? That's you. Would you come up to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. we love to pray with you. Amen. Well, God bless you. God bless you. Father, I speak a blessing over your people. I speak a blessing over all, uh, over Tony and Brittany, Lord God, Angela, Larry and Sierra. Uh, I just, I just bless this family, these families. And I thank you, God, for your presence being with us. Lead them according to your will, draws closer to you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. The altars are open if you like prayer today. Thanks for being with us.